Welcome back to First Draft Phil. It has been about six months since I decided I would start a podcast. I'd been thinking about it for uh, a couple years, and then I just decided, you know what? I am going to just jump in. I was kind of inspired by my wife, who has a furniture flipping and uh, restoration business and does a YouTube channel, and she just jumped in and just learned along the way, and that's kind of what I've been trying to do these last six months. Um, today, I'd like to just play you some of my favorite takeaways, um, audio clips from uh, the interviews that I've done so far. When I first started, um, yeah, I, I really didn't know who exactly I would interview. I had a few ideas, um, but I interviewed, ended up interviewing some very close friends, some people I'd never met, and just some some recent friends. Um, and it's I, you know, just have loved doing this. Um, it's great to be able to um, shine the spotlight on other people um, and to um, yeah, just give other people a chance to tell their story and um, how God's been speaking to them. So uh, just uh, hope you enjoy this uh, best of season one. And we're going to start with my good friend, John Copeland. The bulk of your preparation mm. for leading worship on Sunday morning has nothing to do with music. Right. Yeah. And it has to do with having a substantive spirit that yeah. seeks the Lord's presence. Yeah. When people complain to me about sermons on Sunday in the Salvation Army, uh, I'm not saying they're they're wrong, but they're also never 100% correct. But, right, because there's, there's two parts of every equation. The part you're accountable for mm-hmm. and the part you're not accountable for. Right. But if you change either one of those parts of the equation, you change what's on side of the mm-hmm. equal. That's good. Right? That's good. So I always know I can do more. Yeah. And if what I want is that what's on the other side of the equal signs to increase, That's so good. That's I so always good. have control over doing my and, part. And I think that, that that applies to, like, if you're on a worship team, too, like, you know, I have, you know, uh, I was talking to somebody not too long ago where they were, this is a skilled, gifted person, and there were some complications on the team that they were part of. And I was trying to say to them, you know, um, you're going to, pretty much what you just said in a different way, you're going to, if you change your part of that, if you're more aware of what you're doing, if you're more aware of how every part of the song goes and not just your little bit, if you're more aware of the meaning behind the song, you know, your contribution to that, although it can be frustrating with, you know, working with us. Sure. It's still going to change. Right, right. And whenever I'm communicating with someone that I know is a skilled listener, mm-hmm. I have to up my game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the way that I speak. And, yeah. I, and I know I'm going to be held accountable for what I'm saying. I'm a lot more intentional, a lot more careful. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the catalyst for you getting a better preacher on Sunday is that you become a better listener on Sunday. You know, so I, I I always try to think in those terms. Like, what is my part of the equation? It's not my business. It's not my spiritual purview mm. to change somebody else. That's the Lord's job, and that's His problem. Yeah. And he, I, I just even the more I want to complain, and the more I'm so right about my assessment of whatever their abilities are, the more the Lord says, "You you can do more." Mm. Like, Why do you know everything? So. <laughs> 
John is one of those great communicators who has the ability to say something so funny and then in the next breath just um, profound and it's, it's very disarming. The next clip I'm going to play is from my conversation with Bill and Sue Dunnigan and Bill Rollins. Um, three people who were very influential when I first started out leading worship. And we're going to hear them talk about the importance of uh, bringing it back to worship in a movement that is well known for its activity and what it does when we worship, when we make the main thing the main thing. Part of the reason I want to have these conversations with on people like yourselves is that I, I do believe that worship is so important um, in the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. I, I'd go as far as to say that it's, it's, it's critical and it's crucial. Um, well, it, it, the Salvation Army, we can be about so many things. You know, and even when we get together, it can be, our getting together can be about so many things. Because we do so many things. Not that any of them are wrong. We do good things. And there are good things that need to be done and good things that need to happen. But when we worship, it brings us back, as you said, to to our foundation, to what we are really, what's at our core, what we are really about, our love for God. And that, because that hopefully you know, will will never change. That's the hope that the Sunday has. Yeah. Is that we stay focused and stay centered on our love for God. Why do we do anything we do? Because we love yeah. God. Because we love Jesus. And and worship is kind of what gets into you know really brings that down to to, to who we are and where we are. Rawness. Yeah. And it's gotta be done authentically without apologies yeah you know sometimes we apologize too much I think for me um, being a lifelong salvationist and having been an officer for 36 years and we are very busy people and we get very very busy in serving humanity or in community or um, just whoever and we really need to I don't want to say take a break but we really need to shift gears and shift that focus off the doing you know and just being in the presence you know of the Lord and it does take a while to uh, disengage and unwire my brain and stuff like that to just sit in God's presence Mm. you know to do that and and that's been critical for me and it's also been um very critical I see praise and worship as warfare and in my own life and in very uh, pivotal situations throughout our married life and just even in recent years have I mean been worshiping God my guts out uh, (laughs) you know battling the enemy you know yes amen yeah, that, that <laughs> it's funny that we would forget that in the Salvation Army sometimes, but yeah, worship is warfare. Next up, we have a couple of clips from my interview with Eric Himes. But then it's like, definitely a gut check for me. It's like, but do I really believe 
what I say. You know, like we we wrote a song together, Let Nothing Be Wasted, which is talking about like even the junk, like even the things that feel like scrap, you know, like scraps, like scraps of food, you know, like even those things, like are we willing to to invite God to sanctify those broken things? Yes. And, you know, for me, it's like sitting in that and that, like, do I really still mean that? And the answer is yes. But like in my heart, in my mind, in my doubts, like, am I, am I inviting God to continue to sanctify those things? And that doesn't mean being a victim. And that doesn't mean just like silently allowing bad things to happen and, and, you know, and people in authority just like not be myself or not, or just like invite abuse that's not what that means no um but really giving it over to god like that's that's the beautiful thing is like when you give something to god he receives it you know like like graciously like excitedly you know uh lovingly when you give something to an organization they may receive it for a time they may change it and they may they may amplify it or they may ruin it um but that's the danger but if we we're giving those things to God, and we're saying, you know what, God, all those things no man can take away. Like, and thank you for including me in them. They're precious to me. I think about those things like, like not the same, but like Mary treasured those things in her heart. Like the things that God said to her and the things, the way God used her. Yeah. He like would treasure them. Now, all the, think of all the things Mary went through as a mother of Jesus. Like think of all the times where she, didn't understand what God was doing and didn't understand why God would would take her son that way. And yet she remembered those those beautiful things fondly. I want to preface this next clip of Eric uh, by just saying that you have to hear it in the context of someone who's given a good chunk of his life to serve the Lord in and through the Salvation Army. Uh, And so um, I didn't have time to include the entire thing. Go back and listen to his his entire interview. Um, I asked uh, what encourages him about the Salvation Army, and then I asked for what things we might need to pay attention to going forward. And I, I really just think this is so important, what he says here. That it feels like at times we're the only army in the world that doesn't want to win. <laughs> you know, like, are we playing to win? Uh, and when I say win, are we playing to win the world for Jesus? So are we willing to to adapt? Are we willing to to be nimble on the thing? Like, we're, our, our actual DNA is like, I'll stand on, that, on my head to win a man, you know, to, to Jesus. Yeah, right. Like, are we willing to do that? Or are we... Are we culturally saying this man must assimilate to us by X, Y, and Z in order until we can hmm. consider them part of us. And by so, that, the tamarind thing you're referring to the William Booth quote about, uh, if, it, if right. I have to stand on my head and learn how to play tam- tamarind with timbrels with my feet. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's our DNA. And definitely. So like when I think about like that Salvation Army, like that's what I think about. Um, 
I guess my my big um, concern in this age, and this is for the evangelical church at large, but the only one I know personally is the Salvation Army. Um, it's it's Ephesians four, um, and to the church he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers, and are we are we believing that? Um, and if we're believing that within our own congregations and churches and the functions that God has called and appointed and given as a gift, not as a burden, but as a gift, are we are we listening? To our, to our apostles and our prophets and our evangelists. Now, their functions are very different, but the outcomes are similar. They're annoying. They're, like they, they, their function is to challenge and to speak truth and to know um, convictions and to call things out and to not, it, it, at the end of the day, God won't ask, the prophets in heaven, like, did everyone think you were nice? <laughs> did everyone think that you were right? Mm. He'll ask, were you faithful? Yeah. And, and that's just one of the five offices, you know, the or callings of the church. And, and, and are we treating these people like gifts? And I say it to myself, you know, shepherds and teachers, that's pretty much like we get that culturally. Uh, we, we love them. We need them. They're, but um, it's the other three where I'm like, where are they in our movement? And, and are we welcoming them to it? And are we listening to them? And are we allowing them to challenge us? Good stuff there from Eric. Um, definitely encourage you to check out the whole interview. Um, some really uh, key insights there, I think. Uh, next up, I have a clip from my friend Randy Bonifield. Um the episode with Randy was all about, uh, actually it was a three-parter, all about curating worship experiences as a means of spiritual formation. And I know that's a mouthful, but basically we just talked a lot about what it means to think about your people and put uh, times together that really help form them into the image that God is trying to shape his church into. So enjoy this clip from that interview with Randy Bonifield. And when we gather for worship, um, our, you know, we come in with a lot of baggage and, 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 and we carry things out from the parking lot into the inside. Mm. And what, what happens is there has to be a time where people can start to lay those things down. Yes. Um, and so yeah. there's this, there is this natural, well, not natural, this, there's a liturgical order mm. Uh, it's it's a fourfold order, and again, Robert Welber taught a lot about this in, in his books. If you read some ancient faith ancient and some faith, things like yeah, he talks about we gather, we read God's word, we reveal God's word, we respond to God, and then we send people back to be the light and salt in the community. Hmm. And so it's this, and it's this constant motion, it's yeah. this rhythm that we do week after week after week after week, and we do it to reorient ourselves to who God says we are and who, right. who God believes we are and who he says we are and who we say he is. We keep telling ourselves these, this story over and we have, it's one of the reasons why, why Paul says, don't stop meeting with one another. Yeah. It's because the idea is encounter God, come back together, tell his story again and again to each other. Remind, that he, remind them that 
he was faithful. So, you know, um, Psalm 136 walks you through how God, God's love endures forever. He, he, and, and it lists all these different things that God did. God's love endures forever. And that's the response over and over. Um, but the idea is that we tell ourselves, we tell each other this story to remind us that God was faithful. Yeah. And then we, we gather together as a, a present community in the present to tell each other, this is how God has been faithful. Yeah. This is how he is being faithful. Which in turn mm. makes us believe if he was faithful and is faithful, he will be faithful. Yeah. So all of these things come together in our time of worship. Um, and yes, there, there are moments where we encounter God and it's very personal and, and introspective and mm. he's doing work and yeah. we are responding yeah. in that time where he's working on us. And that's what, I think that's what we long for for everybody who comes sure. to a time of worship. That's not always how it happens. But, uh, but that's our desire, is our desire is to shape a service in such a way that people would be, would be changed, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't walk out the same person they, they did as they, they came in. So this next clip is from my interview with Arcadia Worship from Redemption Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I sat down with Tyler Thompson and Caleb Wiseman. Tyler is the pastor of Communities and Worship, and uh, Caleb is the worship director there. And they've just put out an album recently that that is just fantastic production and um, a real good mix of songs that are both corporate and just high artistic quality. And in this little clip right here, you'll hear Caleb talking about that um, and the dual calling that the church has both to create excellent art and um, lead people in worship. And think that the church has a calling to create in kind of two different spaces. And I think there's, there's some overlap in, in a Venn diagram kind of, kind of way. There, there's the side where we're, creating corporate worship for our, our services and, and for our congregation to sing together. And, and I think there's a calling for the church to, to be creating for that. I also think on the other side of that is, is the church called to create good, excellent art that, that is a reflection of God's creativity and, and masterful creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we serve a God that, that not only created us, but created a, a beautiful world that, that we get to live in and enjoy. And um, so I think there's, there's a high calling to create in that likeness. So, and obviously there's overlap in that, like this first album is, is a kind of reflection of, of the corporate kind of thing, but there's certainly like more artistic elements and, and things that are maybe left of center from, from what you would consider like normal worship music and, um, I think probably the next thing that we'll work on is, is a little bit more in the artistic realm. I, I think back to church history and think of the Hallelujah Chorus, just just really masterful art that was created for the church, but is is known now as just really beautiful, beautiful art. And so I, what better way to connect with culture and, and society as the church than, than creating really great art? 
Next up is a clip from my interview with Christian country artist Daniel Mulkey. You know, my challenge is we, we've got to start being real with one another as Christians, whether you're the person that's going through it or the person that's seeing someone else go through a problem. We've all been there. We've all yeah. experienced that's on great. different levels. Yeah, We've got to be there together as Christians because the world is hard enough as it is. We've got to be there to support one another. Like even like in, the, in one of the songs, Family, the bridge talks about it doesn't matter if you have the last name because we serve the one who died mm-hmm. just so we can stand beside one another and call each other family. It's a family that God's given us and we got to hold each other, not only accountable, but we got to hold each other up and give each other strength when, mm-hmm. when one is falling and, and yeah. having trouble. And there you have it, guys. Um, those are just some of my favorite takeaways from the first season. That's kind of crazy. I, yeah, I guess I guess I can call it a season. 20, 21 episodes is a season, right? I don't know. I'm just making this up as I go along. I didn't have time to scour every minute of every episode, but but I hope you uh, were blessed by those takeaways. I know um, I know I was. So um, I have one more episode for you uh, after this episode for this year. Um, when this comes out, when this episode comes out, I will be already in Australia. Um, COVID shut down Australia, and so um, my family has not been able to get back there. Um, and so we are really excited to see my wife's side of the family, um, and to do the whole open Christmas presents on Christmas morning and then go to the beach. Um, and do all the fun stuff. Um, I will have another episode for you next Tuesday, so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, remember, God is faithful from your first draft all the way to your finished story. God bless you guys. Mm-hmm.